little lambs of Jesus right on the property there. Um, the products uh, will be donation-based at a minimum of $5, and all the proceeds are going to go to the women who made the items and their families. And then, um, and, I, and I have one here that I'm wearing. Um, and then lastly, um, everybody has been wondering and asking, we are planning right now on going back to Guatemala in 2021 so that you know. So that if, some, if that's something that God puts on your heart and we'll begin to talk more seriously about it this coming spring. But right now we're slated to go back in 2021. It's truly been um, life-changing. I uh, Just humbling, you know, to see the, the pastors there. Um, the people are, are, are poor. You've got this mix of extremely wealthy people and very, very poor people. There's not a lot of middle class. And so we, uh, we, um, we, you know, we're ministering to those pastors and I found out that the churches bring in about $100 a month, not enough to sustain a pastor. So they're all bivocational. So they're always looking for ways to make money. The one of the pastors there has a small restaurant that he owns and another pastor um, makes clothing and sells clothing. And so it was very, very humbling. I mean, we're truly blessed, but I believe in America we're blessed for a reason. And so we're blessed to be a blessing and for helping us, you know, helping send us and helping us build that house. You have no idea the tremendous blessing. We, we, we left a, a lot of our, you know, clothing, whatever clothing, you know, we felt that we could leave there. We left, I left shoes there. I left shirts and pants there. Um, and uh, we, we brought supplies there. Um, anything that we could think of, we, we tried to bring and we tried to leave there. And it was all possible because of you guys. And I can't say thank you enough. Um, open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Jeremiah 1.1 1, 1 says, These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. The Lord first gave messages to Jeremiah during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Um, the first service I was going, Josiah, because I've been reading Spanish for a week. Um, the Lord's messages continued throughout the reign of King Joachim, Josiah's son, until the 11th year of the reign of King Zedekiah, another of Josiah's sons. In August of that 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. And the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet, as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I cannot speak for you. I'm, I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I'll be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out, touched my mouth, and said, look, I put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Father in heaven, you're telling all of us that we're not too old, we're not too young. You're putting your words in all of us. And so Father God, challenge us through the prophet Jeremiah today that even in all of his humanness, Father, you anointed him and you used him tremendously. And Father God, you've got purposes and plans for us that were set before we were formed in our mother's womb that you know of too. And to know them, we must know you. And once we know what it is you have for us to do, Father, we must do it. 
And so, Father, I just pray that there would be a commissioning today, a charging today of those present. God, that you would send them, that you would use them. And, Father, I pray that they would know that they must be used by you. We're all answering a call from heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You can be seated. For those of you that were at the prophetic presbytery, Pastor Lee so accurately spoke over my life and said how important Jeremiah chapter one was to me, so important to me. And it so ministered to me and I, I love the book of Jeremiah and I love Jeremiah and he has ministered to me in, in so many ways over the years. I'm gonna share scriptures that mean a great deal uh, to me today. Like John the Baptist, Jeremiah's father was a, was a priest. And it's possible that Jeremiah was a descendant of Eli the priest. What we don't know is whether or not he actually functioned as a priest, but we know he was very critical of the priests and he spoke out against them. And the, the beautiful thing about Jeremiah, and we're gonna see it, he was so transparent he was so passionate, but he was so strong. And this, this book of the Bible, Jeremiah, has ministered to me so much since, since I've been a young Christian in the Lord. So if, if things begin to get a little personal for me, um, hopefully you know, you know why. Jeremiah was probably about 20 years old when he answered the call in his life. I was 20 years old when I got saved. And so theologians believe he's around 20. He faithfully ministered God's word for about 40 years despite total rejection, ridicule, threats, and he's this beautiful mixture of strength and, and passion. He's known as the weeping prophet and he even wrote the book of Lamentations. And through all of his weeping, and this is a beautiful thing about Jeremiah, he delivered some of the strongest prophetic words that we have been given in, in Scripture. And I love him so much for that. So by today's standards, Jeremiah would have been considered a failure, but not by God's, not by any stretch. And I think so often we, we weigh ourselves based on what we think about ourselves and what we think others think about ourselves. And it's, it, it's funny how God is like one of the last ones to get factored in. Today's standards, Jeremiah would not have been successful at all but he's recorded in scripture as one of the major prophets and God used him mightily and I'm praying that he's gonna encourage you today. Jeremiah was successful because he faithfully delivered the word of the Lord, come what may. So what was the secret to Jeremiah's success? Where did he get the backbone to speak so boldly to kings, those in authority facing imprisonment? I mean, he'd walk right up to the kings and he'd just prophesy, not caring what would happen to him. In fact, one, uh, I think it was King Zedekiah, got so upset with him, he threw him in a well and left him for dead. And if somebody wouldn't have rescued him, he surely would have died. Jeremiah did not know what was gonna happen to him on the other side of the words that he was given. And I just love that abandonment. So in a moment, he'd be so bold and so brazen, and then afterwards, he'd be weeping. And he'd be just crying out to God. And it's probably Jeremiah's humanity that's ministered to me more than anything else. 
So how does one keep going in the face of opposition? If anybody could model that, it's Jeremiah. And I want to look at three portions of Scripture from the book of Jeremiah that will provide our answers. I believe we're looking at Jeremiah 1, Jeremiah 15, and Jeremiah 20. The first one, um, one of my favorite portions of Scripture is Jeremiah 1, verses 6 through 9, and I want to read them again, even though we've already read them. It says, O sovereign Lord, I love it how he calls God sovereign. He acknowledges that God's sovereign. O sovereign Lord. I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I'll be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out, touched my mouth, and said, look, I put my words in your mouth. Notice that God told Jeremiah that he wasn't too young. And here's what amazes me. In 25 years of ministry, I've seen it over and over and over again. In one breath, people are acknowledging that God's speaking. In the next breath, they're telling you why that couldn't happen. So is God wasting his breath? Why is, why is the, the application up to you but the word up to God. So God's speaking to you, but you're saying, you know, I just don't see that. It doesn't matter how you see it happening. Your job is to respond. You're not interpreting for God. You're a utensil for God. You're, you're a tool in his hand to be used, and he's speaking to you. And yet I'll hear people say all the time, well, Pastor John, I don't know if God really has spoken to me. Sure, what was the last thing he asked you to do? And it's funny how the more obedient you are, the clearer his voice gets. And a lot of people don't hear God speaking to them because they've not been obedient in what he's asked them to do. God's not offering you suggestions. He's not offering you opportunities. He gives you instruction. And as you follow his instruction, his voice gets clearer and clearer and clearer. And he's not asking you to step out and do what he's asking you to do based on how you things, see things working out. I just don't see these things working out. I don't think God's interested in your interpretation. I don't think he speaks to you and leaves it up to you to interpret. Your only response is obedience. And as you're obedient, his voice gets clear and the path seems clear. And life makes more sense the more obedient you are. Life gets confusing when you're a believer seeking God yet not doing what God's asking you to do. And he's asking all of us to do something. Well, Pastor John, I, I don't think God's called me in the full-time ministry. Whoever said that he was. God told Jeremiah not to be afraid of the people. Older versions will say, don't be afraid of their faces. Their scowls, their disapproval. Like, what's happened to you? We used to party together. What? Six months before I got saved, it was my 20th birthday, I, was, I had three kegs and I was passing joints out for free at the front door. I get saved and God delivers me from all of that. Sets me free from all of that. And my friends are like, what? What's wrong with you? And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. What's wrong with you? Why are you doing that? Why are you living like that? You can't be afraid of people's faces. They're, you're not doing this for their approval. 
Why would their disapproval matter? You're doing this to now please God. God has changed your life and he's doing a work, undeniable work in your life and you are now responding to him. Doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. If you're worried about what everybody else thinks, you're never gonna do anything for the Lord. What is it, Galatians 1.10? That if I wanted to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of God. You can't do both. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap and it catches you. You're worried about what people think and so you don't want to do anything. Yet you can't deny the fact that God's spoken. There's the challenge. God told Jeremiah he must go where he sends him. He must, you must go. Says you must, you must tell them what I'm giving you. You must speak. So two must. You gotta go where God sends you and you gotta speak what he gives you. And the longer you let it swirl around in your head, the more confusing it gets. And please note the difference between your thoughts and God speaking to you is you feel God when he speaks first and then you think about it secondly. When it's your thoughts, you're thinking about it. Oh, I think that this might be God. Oh, I think that this might be a word from the Lord. Oh, I think. When I was in Guatemala and I was speaking over like doctors and, and, and you know, medical students and medical staff and, and when I was, I, I wasn't thinking about what I should be saying to them. I was speaking over them before I could think about it as God was putting words in my mouth to speak. People that I didn't know. People that were, 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 were crying because I was speaking things that only God could know and there's no way that I could know seven to 8,000 feet above sea level in the mountains of, of Guatemala. There's no way I could have known those people yet God was using me to speak over them. And if you get all caught up in, in, you know, what are they gonna think about me? Or, you know, God, you, you can't be serious. You wanna use me. Then you impede the process. You slow things down and you become the greatest obstacle in God's purposes and plans for your lives. I'd say quit thinking so much and start stepping out and start doing what he's asking you to do. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. God told Jeremiah that he would go with him and protect him, but please know that that is contingent upon obedience, that I can be assured of God's protection and I can be assured that he's gonna go with me where he's calling and where he's leading me. God doesn't call us places and then leave us and say, let me know if you need me if things get rough. No, 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 God is with us and protects us as we are walking out in obedience. And so as you're obedient, you can rest assured his protection. You can rest assured that he'll go with you. I believe that, Lisa believes that. We believe that with all our hearts that because we're doing what God's asking us to do, he's protect us and we've seen it in our marriage, we've seen it in our son's lives. I believe that with all of my heart. Do what God asks you to do and his protection. His protection, wherever he is, his protection's there. Wherever God's vision is, there's his provision. Well, Pastor John, I thought that I was doing what God was asking me to do. Was it your thought or God's thoughts? Was it a good thought or a God thought? And why should God have to fund something that you want to do that he's not leading you to do? What is it, Joyce Myers will say, God's not obligated to, to, to finish anything that he never started? And so what is God asking you to do? It is, it's, 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 it's obedience, it's obedience. I heard one guy say to me one time, yeah, but shouldn't everything that I lay my hand to 
prosper? At his, at his leading. I mean, if it's not at his leading, then I'm going to walk around in the, in, the, in the Audi new car parking lot and lay hands on the cars and say, Lord, I believe that you're prompting me right now. If that's going to... It's at his leading, at his prompting, or it gets really, really witchy. It gets really, really weird, and you start naming and claiming. I name that spouse for me. I name that car for me. I name that house for me. I name. It's at God's leading. And as you're obedient, he blesses, he protects, he provides. And like Isaiah, God touched Jeremiah's mouth and he puts his words in his mouth. I don't know how many times I've been places, been standing in front of people, and God put his words in my, ho- in my mouth for those people. And, and the more I get hung up on on what I'm saying, and the more I, the more I think, the, the, the weirder it gets, and you just can't wrestle. God wants to use you as a mouthpiece, and it can't be about you. It, and, and, and can I just, where the rubber meets the road, kind of make a statement, your Christian walk isn't about you. And the more it becomes about you, the weirder your Christian walk gets. Well, I just don't want people to think I'm a Jesus freak. What do you? So you're so you're in love with the Savior, but you're denying Him and you're throwing Him under the bus for fear of what people think about you. I don't want to go to church go to church too much. I don't want to give. I don't want people to think I'm crazy. They already think you're crazy. You believe in a God that died on the cross two thousand years ago and it impacts your life today. That His blood washes you and makes you white as snow. You're weird. You're strange. You believe that this book comes to life when you read it and speaks to your heart? You're strange. Let me clue you in. You're either all in. You're going to be weird either way, but you're all in or you're not. And the benefits of your Christian walk are reaped as you are completely abandoned to his purposes for your life, and they don't make sense if you are trying to straddle two different realms. And it'll never make sense that way. And you're driving everybody nuts. You're driving the unbelievers nuts because they don't know what's going on with you. You're driving the believers nuts because they don't know what's going on with you. And yet God's got purposes and plans for you just like he did Jeremiah that existed even before he formed you in your mother's womb. And the only way you're gonna know them is if you position your heart and your life right before him so that he can begin to reveal them. And that's between you and God. There's just work that no one can do. Not a minister this side of heaven can do for you. Find out. You scaredy cat. Find out. Don't you want to know? Well, I wish God would just tell me. I wish your heart would be in a place where he could. Where you could receive it. Where you would. I think sometimes we as American Christians treat you know, God's voice as if it's some form of entertainment for us that, God, please speak to me, but I really don't have any intention of doing anything that you want me to because I don't want to leave the comforts of the life that I've come to know. Man, in Guatemala, those people do anything for God. And their worship, it really, really matters. It's life to them. They're definitely not in it for the money. So passionate. Their life's so simple. There are things that, I'd, that I envied about them because they didn't have all the trappings that we have, although it's crazy. 
Everybody's got a cell phone. I think 15 million people, hopefully I get this right. Jesse, help me remember. 15 million people and two cell phones for every person in Guatemala. Even those homes we went to, they got cell phones, they're taking pics. I'm like, who's paying for the internet? You know, I'm, I, you know, your mind's just, everybody's got a phone. Everybody's got a phone. Second portion of scripture, Jeremiah 15. Dear Lord, I pray this is helping people today. Look at 16, 15, 16. I love this. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God, of heaven's armies. Jared discovered God's word and devoured them. God's word was a delight to Jeremiah. One undeniable common denominator among the called is a love for God's word. Just a love for God's word. An appetite for God's word. I'd say you can know to what degree you're called based on your appetite. Can you imagine feeling called to be a professional athlete yet you don't like working out or going to practice? Can you imagine being called to be a musician you just don't like putting your time in and those strings really hurt the tips of your fingers? Ow. Um, and if you've got fingertips like mine, man, it hurts like the Dickens try to play the guitar. There should be an appetite that is an indicator of the, of the call, the, the level of a call. And as believers, you bet we have a hunger for God's word just because we need to feed. Like we feed our physical body, we feed our spiritual body. But Jeremiah was called at, a, at another level and he discovered God's word and he devoured God's word. And what I want to draw your attention to are the verses surrounding verse 16 because it gives it even greater context. Let's look at 15, 16, 17, and 18. It says, then I said, Lord, you know what's happening to me. Please step in and help me. You ever been there? Punish my persecutors. Please give me time. Don't let me die young. It's for your sake that I'm suffering. Then he says, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They're my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. I never joined the people in their merry feasts. I sat alone because your hand was upon me. I was filled with indignation at their sins. Why then does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Your help seems as uncertain as a seasonal brook, like a spring that's gone dry. I love Jeremiah's humanness. I love his humanity. Yet he could not deny his love for God's word. I absolutely love this. And more than anything, God's response is one of my favorites in all of the book of Jeremiah in, in verse 19. Look at this. This is how the Lord responds. So Jeremiah, once again, is mixing his complaints with his love for God, his word. And then the Lord says, this is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I'll restore you so that you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you'll be my spokesman. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. I believe we get influenced when we haven't returned to the Lord. God hasn't restored us. Return to me. Return to me. I'll restore you. You're talking to a major prophet that God's saying this to, that God is using so boldly, speaking to kings, speaking to the nation's leadership, facing imprisonment. They're disgusted with him because he doesn't ever seem to, to speak anything good. He's telling them, listen, surrender and it'll go well with you. Don't fight this. It's not gonna go well. 
and they don't even want to hear about them, but then they'd say, hey, has the Lord shown you anything? Yeah, 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 yeah. Surrender. And yet he's struggling, and God says, look, just return to me, I'll restore you, so that you can continue to serve me. So many start serving God, but they don't continue to serve God because they've forgotten how to return to God when they're away. Or maybe they don't even know that they're away. I don't know about you, but repentance isn't like a one-time thing that happens at salvation. I believe repentance is a continual thing that happens throughout sanctification. From, from your first amen to seeing Jesus face to face, we are always in a place of brokenness, always crying out to God, always coming to him with, with, with you know, a, a broken, a submitted heart. No wonder why people get harassed by the devil. They don't submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Well, Pastor John, the devil seems to be harassing me. Have you submitted to God? Have you returned to the Lord? How can he restore you if you don't? And I, I love that God says this to Jeremiah. Return to me. What are you doing out there? You're complaining, you're, you're critical, you're all messed up. What are, you, what are you doing out there? Return to me. I'll restore you so you can continue to serve me. Goes on. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you'll be my spokesperson. So, you know, quit saying all that negative stuff. How can I use you? You're not going to be my spokesperson if you're critical, if you're speaking all this negative stuff over people. Why would I use you to be my mouthpiece if that's what's coming out of your mouth? And then I love that. Don't let them influence you. You must influence them. Christians should be the influence. And yet I see so many Christians getting beat up because they're getting influenced. Christians should be the influence. The Bible, I believe it says in Proverbs 10 or Proverbs 11, it says when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. That's how much of an influence Christians can be. That's how much of an influence we can be, and I believe by God's design are supposed to be. Don't let them influence you. Why are they influencing you? Let me just say this. If you can't say no there, then don't go there. Why would you go there if you know you're gonna be influenced there? Stay away. Stay away. I've seen people get saved and they get saved out of all this drug and alcohol abuse and they want to go back and reach their buddies. They're not ready to reach their buddies. They're going to be influenced there. And I'll tell people, man, stay away from, from a scene like that until you're strong enough and you can be around it without being influenced by them. In fact, the dominant influence in a Christian walk should be the Holy Spirit should be Jesus Christ. There should not be another influence competing with God's influence in your life. If there is, man, you got some reckoning to do with God. If, if there is, then you need to return to him so that he can restore you. Because I'm not trying to get some kind of mix with my lifestyle and with the Christian lifestyle to, to flow together. I'm not trying to find that blend. There are no blends. There's submission, there's surrender, there's repentance, there's restoration, and it's all contingent upon our returning to the Lord. You guys with me at all this morning? And then the last portion I want to look at is Jeremiah 20. So turn there with me. These verses may sound familiar. And you guys, there are times when I read the book of Jeremiah and I just laugh. Um, and, I'm, and this is one of those portions that I, when I first read it, I, I started laughing. I love especially how it's worded in the New Living. Verse seven, Jeremiah 20, verse seven. Oh Lord, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. I just think that's absolutely hilarious that he would say that. You misled, you tricked me, and I allowed, I can't believe I fell for it. That's what he's saying. 
You're stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I'm mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction, I shout. And so he's preaching strong stuff. There's a storm of brewing, and he's preaching it. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. You know, you misled me. You know, like, did he think that this was supposed to be a popularity contest? Anybody that's been in the ministry for a while knows it's not a popularity contest. Look at verse nine. But if I say I'll never speak, or I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his words burn in my heart like a fire. It's like fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I absolutely love that. You know when God desires to speak through you, you couldn't hold it back to save your life. You feel like you're gonna explode. You have to trust that God is able to preserve you and deliver you. And then we see Jeremiah's wonderful testimony in chapter 20, verses 10 through 13. I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten. If you say anything, we'll report it. Even my old friends are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He'll trap himself, they say, and then we'll get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of heaven's armies, you test those who are righteous and you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them for I've committed my cause to you. Is your cause committed to the Lord? Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord for though I was poor and needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. I love Jeremiah. He'd despair of life, but still couldn't keep himself from being used by God. The rejection seemed so great at times, but he kept going. Amazing that no matter how much Jeremiah struggled, God still used him. Amazing that no matter how much Jeremiah wanted to quit, he couldn't say no to God. Jeremiah could not suppress the words that God gave him. It was as if he was going to explode if he tried. It was more exhausting for him to be disobedient than it was for him to be obedient. Isn't it amazing when God met Saul on the road to Damascus who later became the Apostle Paul. Remember what he said to him? It's hard for you to kick against the goats. It's hard for you to go against me. You're heading in the opposite direction of where I would have you go. It's exhausting to be disobedient to God. So exhausting. It's like you're a part of two worlds and you belong to neither. That's why the church in Laodicea in the book of Revelation, the Lord said, I wish you were hot or cold. I could do something with people who are hot. I can do something with people who are cold. But you're lukewarm. I'm just going to spew you out of my mouth. When you're lukewarm, you've got a little bit of cold, you've got a little bit of hot, and you're neither. In the Christian walk, you're either all in. I mean, Jesus didn't like partially die on the cross. He wasn't partially obedient to his father. And yet we as Christians sometimes live, we live and we act like we can, we can be partially obedient. I was told years ago that partial obedience isn't obedience at all. I mean, that's like asking your kid to take out the trash and he goes and he touches it, picks it up, sets it back down. My question to you in this service before we leave today is have you been resisting God? Has he spoken to you and have you been resisting him? 
And have you just been kind of tired in your whole Christian walk? I can remember driving in. I'm uh, like a year old Christian. And now I don't even think I, I had known the Lord for two years. And I'm going to school at Grand Rapids Community College and I'm driving in. And as I'm driving in at six in the morning because I, I had a couple jobs while I was going to school and one of them was to just check IDs at the Ford Field House and make sure that everybody's ID was current. And it was a real easy job because every year was another color and, and so it was about as easy as you get. And I, I remember just praying to God on the way and I, you know, I was, I was just so tired of, of, of wrestling with him. I, I was just tired. And I said, God, I just, I just surrender my life to you. Whatever you want to do, I just feel like I'm fighting you. And I just completely surrender. I get to the Ford Fieldhouse. I sit at my table. I got a cup of coffee and my Bible. I set them down and I had the only open vision that I've ever had in my life in 35 years of walking with the Lord. Open vision is one you see before your eyes. A closed vision is one you see in your mind's eye. And I saw myself laying hands on people and praying for people like I was watching a movie screen. Saw myself praying for people. And God led me to Ephesians 3, 7 of this gospel of grace of which I've become a minister, Paul said. I knew that God was calling me into the ministry. God could reveal things to me as I surrendered to him. God could reveal things to me as I returned to him. God revealed his calling on my life, which I wasn't ordained until like nine years later from that point, but revealed his purposes for my life as I surrendered to him. Could it be that God's not been able to reveal his purposes because you haven't surrendered? Could it be that you've been resisting some of the things that God's been asking you to do? Maybe, and typically it's just one thing that he asks you at a time to do. Doesn't throw like five things at you. So I'm gonna pray. In the last service, I just simply said, man, if God is speaking to your heart, you feel like you've been resisting God. And, and, and he's talking to you. Or he's reminding you, I do talk to you. Remember the last thing I asked you to do? And if that's you and you just want to acknowledge that, just want to encourage you to stand and we're going to pray. God's speaking to your heart. You feel like you're resisting him. There, there, are, there are things he's asking you to do. You're, you're resisting him. Or as my good friend Bill Otten would say, you're stiff-arming God. You're shoving him away. God's speaking to your heart. You just want to acknowledge that. I would just say, those of you that are standing, just want you to just surrender to the Lord right now. Just in your own words, you know, under your breath, not so that everybody around you can hear, but you're surrendering. God, I'll, 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 I'll go where you want. I'll say what you want. I mean, it could be as close as your next door neighbor, your coworker, classmate. God, I'll, I'll say what you want. I'll, I'll go where you want. And you're just surrendering again completely to the Lord. In your own words right now, you're just doing that. Even if you're seated, you didn't have the courage to stand. You maybe thought that you were gonna get singled out in some way and so you're worried about what people were thinking about you, but you know in your heart you should be standing. I encourage you to surrender to the Lord. So many times we're sitting down on the outside and standing up on the inside. I'm just gonna pray over you. Father in heaven, you see these standing in response to your words spoken to their heart. In response to your instructions spoken over their lives, they stand. 
And Father, we go back to where you spoke last. And we acknowledge, God, here we are. You've got plans. You've got plans for us, oh God, that were set before we were informed in our mother's womb. Now you're calling us to remembrance again, those things that you asked us to do. Father, give us the courage to do them. And Father, thank you that on the other side of obedience, there's your protection, there's your provision. And your voice will only get clear. So many people are trying to figure God out instead of follow him. God, we're followers. You lead. You're the master. You're the commander. And so, Father, our hearts and our minds are made up to do what you're leading us to do. No matter what they say, no matter the expressions on their face, we'll do what you're asking us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Um, last week, Mike Benson was here. I heard he did a tremendous job. Um, many, I'm hearing testimonies of people getting healed and uh, just a tremendous anointing on his life. We did not take a building fund offering. We didn't want to do that um, while Mike was here. And so we're going to take it this week. And I realize some of you may have already um, given to that. But there are three reasons why we take a, a building fund offering. Number one, the bank looks at it, and it was part of the agreement that got us this loan. Um, they look at it, and it's important to them. And secondly, um, you made pledges, and by taking this offering, we're reminding you of the pledges and the vows that you made to give towards a reduction of this debt. We might have bought the buildings in cash, but this building wasn't built in cash. We took a loan. And then thirdly, to offer opportunity for anybody else that would want to that would want to give that God would speak to their heart to give towards this building fund. And so I'm going to pray as the ushers come. Father, thank you for your